Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's begin now. Technically, 21 seconds afternoon, so I'm not at fault for saying that. Let your voice be heard. It has been. Congratulations. Welcome to your weekend. You're about five days away from the greatest holiday of the entire year on the 4th of July. Fireworks, hot dogs, corn dogs, potato salad, coleslaw, beans, relish, mustard, ketchup, if you're that kind of guy. Welcome to Out of Bounds. This is Dusty Likens, your host, every Saturday from 12 to 3, but unfortunately, we don't go till 3 today. 2 o'clock, Cody Tapp takes over as the Royals insider. Cody Tapp is uh, thrilled to watch some more baseball in Canada as the Royals last night played Toronto. They'll play him again today at 3.07, his first pitch, but Cody Tapp on the air at 2 o'clock. That'll take over your program at 2 o'clock, but until then, you will have myself, not Nick Price. He is fired. I'm kidding. That's a joke. He's not. He's on vacation. He's in New York. Please don't take that to heart. Nick Price is on vacation, and Jason Ketz uh, is filling in for Nick Price because Jason Ketz is a sweetheart, how they say it in Baston. Um, He's wicked sweet. You're too kind. You're too kind, Dusty. You're too kind. That's also also inaccurate. might be passive-aggressive is more the, the terminology. But thanks for joining us here on uh, Out of Bounds today. Loaded show. Um, God, kind of mad at Brandon Kylie because he kind of took a little bit of uh, what I wanted to lead the show with because an article came out about the rivalry that is or was Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. I read this article, and the first thing I thought of was – Man, it's okay. It's okay that that rivalry has been three years away and that that rivalry is no more. We know what that rivalry was. Every single year, it seemed, at some point in the playoffs, whether it was a divisional game, wild card game, or a championship game in the AFC, it was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and one of them was going to win and the other one was going to go home while the one that won was going to go to the Super Bowl. It just happened to be Tom Brady more than it was Peyton Manning. And as football fans, which the majority of the United States is, I think that's a fair assumption to make, everyone seemed to kind of side with Peyton Manning. Now, it's interesting to think that if both careers flipped and it was Peyton Manning that consistently won and won all the rings in the history of the NFL, that maybe you would have been more on the side of Tom Brady. Well, that's not the case, and I'm not going to get into that debacle because it doesn't make sense anymore because it never happened. But it always seemed that Tom Brady got the edge. It seemed that that made that rivalry a little bit more sweet because rivalries work better when... Okay, this is crazy. So ESPN's reporting right now breaking news that Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are discussing playing together. Okay, that's probably been going on for the last couple days. I know they've had some phone calls, but wow. Um, 
That's cute. Yeah. Here comes the text line. It's supposed to be live and local. Well, I'm, you're listening live and locally right now on my television screen. It says that Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant um, are technically working together. So the Claw and the Ripper, uh, that's a pretty good combination right there if they go anywhere together. But uh, only in L.A. is there one max contract open. Anyways, back to the rivalry that was Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And that's where things get interesting because they say, will there ever be one? And there already is one. We got it last year. Mahomes versus Baker. And it only took until the Wednesday before the Sunday game for people to reiterate what happened when they played each other at Texas Tech in Oklahoma. Don't worry. I got you. The rivalry started in college, right? Because Baker Mayfield went to Texas Tech. He found out there was this young kid in front of him that was probably going to start, and he wasn't going to start, so he transferred to Oklahoma. So to put numbers into perspective of what a rivalry could be, Mahomes set the NCAA record for individual offense in a game with 819 combined passing and rushing yards. Broke the record for combined passing yardage in an NCAA game with 1,279 yards, he and Baker in that game. They tied the NCAA record for combined first downs in a game with 78. Jesus. Mahomes tied Washington State's Connor Holiday for the most passing yards in a Division I game with 734, an NCAA record 736 by Division III Eureka's Sam Durley in 2012. Never heard of him. Mayfield set a school record at Oklahoma for passing touchdowns in a game with seven. That's 49 points if you count the extra point every time there. Mahomes set several other Big 12 records in that game, including most completions in a game with 52, previously held by Cliff Kingsbury, probably remember him, who's now, or who was, his head coach, and now is obviously somewhere else. He's in Arizona with Kyler Murray. Mahomes and Mayfield set the football school record for the most combined offensive or offense by two players. With 1,383 combined offenses. Mayfield, seven touchdown passes. Joe Mixon, third football player in the last 20 seasons with 250 rushing yards in that game and 100 receiving yards. Patrick Mahomes, 800 total yards, 734 of them passing touchdown or for passing yards, and it tied the football record. Now, here's where the rivalry gets interesting because before you picked a side, you said, I'm either with Team Peyton or I'm with Tom Brady, which I feel like the only people that were with Team Brady was Massachusetts, and everybody else was Team Peyton. Peyton was funnier. He was more marketable. Whether you can debate that or not, he wasn't supplying Ugg boots, but he was doing other things when it came to Saturday Night Live. He was funny. Peyton Manning just had that, that draw to you that was more appealing. Here's where this gets interesting with what the new rivalry could be in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. It's already started. It started in college. It's going on to the NFL because they've already played each other once, and the first time they played each other, they brought up those college numbers. They brought up the college game between Texas Tech and Oklahoma. They should. That game was insane. I remember watching that game, calling my friends, saying, hey, I know you guys aren't really big into college football. That's not Mizzou, KU, or K-State, but you should definitely watch this game against Oklahoma and Texas Tech. There's this kid named Mahomes who's a stud. Haven't heard of him until that game. I'm sorry. I wasn't doing a lot of Texas Tech's research. Then there was the kid Baker Mayfield, who I've been in love with for quite some time. 
fell in love with him even more when he played KU and they brought him to the center of the field or midfield, whatever you want to call it, and the kids refused to shake Baker Mayfield's hand. Why? Because they were told not to. Then what happens later in that game? Oh, Oklahoma starts running KU out of the building. What's Baker Mayfield do? He grabbed his Jimmy on the sideline because that's what Baker does. That's his type of personality. Whereas Mahomes, he'll just flex on you after he threw for a 500-yard game and six touchdowns because that's what Pat, that's what Patrick Mahomes does. Baker, very loud, over-modulated when it comes to celebratory things, when it comes to being a leader, has his own dance moves. Whereas Patrick Mahomes has the gun, has the brain, and has the OG at coach where he can just say, you know what, you can dance, you can flash, you can do whatever you want. You're not going to stop my right arm, and you're not going to stop my coach's brain thought when it comes to playing football. You look at what Baker Mayfield did in his first year starting in the NFL. He played 14 games. He was 6-7 and seven with a 63.8 completion percentage. He threw for almost 4,000 yards in 14 games. He was averaging 7.7 yards in attempt. He threw for 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That's pretty damn good. Check that. That's really good. That would get Jason Vargas impressed, which that's hard to do because, you know, Jason Vargas is a red ass. So if that doesn't do it for you when it comes to a rivalry for Patrick Mahomes, because as good as Baker Mayfield was last year, who was also the Heisman Trophy winner, which is supposed to be the most glorified football player in college, Mahomes didn't get that. People watched Patrick Mahomes last year, who played in 16 games and went 12-4 and with a 66 completion percentage, threw for 5,097 yards, averaged 8.8 yards in attempt, threw for 50 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, also extremely good. Only the third quarterback to throw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. That rivalry is sweet. It's young and it's fresh. A lot of you might have thought that Peyton and Tom got a little stale towards the end because at that point you just didn't care because you were either tired of seeing both of them win or you were just tired of the rivalry. This, young kids, old men, young ladies, old ladies. This is the new rivalry of the NFL, whether you like it or not. I wish it could be Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson because both guys were tied to Kansas City in the draft. Obviously, the Chiefs chose Mahomes. If you think people in Kansas City were excited when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, you should go look at Brandon Kiley's Twitter handle when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. Lost his socks. Jumped into another grown man's arms like he had just seen, I don't know, the savior himself. True story. I remember being here when that draft pick was announced, and right. Binkley was the only one in the room that was so excited about it. Everybody yeah. else, because I wanted Deshaun Watson. I know Show wanted Deshaun Watson. Everybody thought Deshaun Watson was the way to go, but they went with Mahomes, and yeah, Binkley was the uh, fortune teller to all of us. We didn't know that. Yeah, that, now if you ask point. Binkley, he's like, yeah, I had him in uh, mock draft 2.0. Had him there first, Dusty Likens. And 3.0 and 4.0. And, and 8.0, 9.0. Now he's chugging beers, 12.0 percent alcohol content. Don't worry, he gets a safe drive home. But I'm telling you right now, when I read this article, all I could think about, like a lot of people do when they read or they, or they hear things on the radio or they see things on TV, they start to get off in a rabbit hole of their own thoughts. And I'm thinking to myself, why is the NFL reaching? It's right in front of you. It's on a platter. You have Mahomes versus Baker. And oh, by the way, they're going to play each other a ton in the next coming years. Because I've got a feeling, I don't know why, but I just feel like the Cleveland Browns are going to be pretty damn good. 
They got Odell Beckham Jr., and they have Jarvis Landry. Their backfield's loaded. Oh, by the way, familiar friend alert, Kareem Hunt is in their backfield now. Who comes back after a suspension? Who can pass and run that we all know? We don't need to talk about Kareem Hunt. And Baker Mayfield, who had a really solid first year. A lot of people don't remember it because Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter was out of this world. It was astronomically high. He did something that only two other quarterbacks have done in the history of the NFL. Oh, by the way, those quarterbacks were the rivalry that we were talking about in Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and now Patrick Mahomes can be the first ever 50-50 guy. I'm exhausted. That was one segment. We're here till 2 o'clock. That's truth. And coming up, I guess we're just going to keep doing this, aren't we? He also has one win. Go cheer on basketball. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Back in on Out of Bounds, Dusty Likens with you, Nick Price, day off. Thank God. He is in uh, New York City on a family vacay because it's summertime. Jason Ketz, thank you very much for helping us out today, filling in for Nick Price. I thought you said he got fired. He did, and that was a lie. I'm just kidding. I just It's actually not a lie. It's just a joke, which oh. probably shouldn't joke about things. Nope. Um. From the 816 at the last segment of the new rivalry, it's a trio of rivalries with Baker, Mahomes, and Watson. Clint the Mailman, listener number three. If you don't understand why people say listener number three, then, well, listen to Show and Vern from 10 to 2 every Monday through Friday. Uh, show, Vern, Serta, good stuff there. Funny, different. Um, preceding them would be the Fesco in the Morning crew with Bob Fesco, Josh Klinger, and Ryan Wachowski. Also has their unique way of things. Um, Wachowski likes to be the sarcastic uh, drop bomb things on guys, which is kind of funny. And then from two to six, you get Carrington Harrison, Sean Levine, and I can't remember uh, who their producer is. Yeah, just uh, Brandon Kylie. That's who it is. Yeah, you heard oh, him yeah, on the leadoff, right. which we are live and local every Saturday. Ten to two is the leadoff. Two to uh, ten to two, ten to noon is the leadoff. Noon to three is normally us on out of bounds, and then proceeding uh, or uh, succeeding us is overtime with Chris Unicero, Jillian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez. That show um, gets debunked today because of the Royals, and our last hour of today's show gets debunked because Cody Tapp comes in to talk Royals and Toronto Blue Jays. It starts at 3.07, but... Jillian's in France right now for the World she Cup. She was. She's back. Um, she took a bunch of kids over there to watch the Women's World Cup, which is super awesome. We'll get into that a little bit later because um, if the Women's World Cup isn't getting you going right now, um, I don't know if it ever will. But uh, it's it's pretty good, man. That Fran that game against France was it was insane. Um, rapping though with the uh, pose, almost like the Randy Orton esque pose, the Viper on the top rope, kind of giving you that, you know. Second best women's soccer pose after a goal behind Brandy Chastain's. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean the shootout the shootout goal. I mean, you're ripping your shirt 99. off and sliding knee first in celebratory way, then yeah, you're not going to top that very often. Um, but no, they'll play England, I believe, Tuesday. Um, as the Women's World Cup continues to go on. Um, I told my buddies it's going to be Baker versus Patrick for the next 10-plus years. They all think I'm crazy. Lister number 789, and he spells it 7-A-T-E-9. Um, you're not crazy at all. I think we saw from both guys' first years in the NFL. The NFL is very fast. It's extremely faster than the college game. You see how people develop, and when those two guys pick it up that well in their first season... Now, granted, Patrick had a... 
I guess Mahomes, what's funny out here is all these guys mowing the lawn. How many guys it take to mow a lawn? Apparently four. And riders on the highway um, here at the studio. But, it's like five of them. Yeah, it's, it's a crew. They got that light pole up, though, now. That's nice. Yeah, then somebody knocked that light pole out. Anyways, here at the studio, there's a bunch of mowers outside on the highway just going in like 360s out here. It's just uh, interesting. I think some old guy's uh, engine shot. Either way. But you're not crazy. That, that rivalry is coming. It's going to happen for a, quite some time. But something that's taken quite some time and something that's taken a little bit to figure out is the Tyreek Hill situation. And the sides that come out of this are just insane because you have your people that stood ground and said you have no evidence of this, you have no, you have no evidence to trash Tyreek Hill or say anything about the man's name. Then there's other people like myself who have just been skeptical of the whole situation because, honestly, we didn't know anything except for the fact that there was a child's broken arm, there was a line that was said that said, you should fear me too with an explicit at the end. We know what that means. We know it was said. Then there was the breaking story where the female part was supposedly passed out. Kids were walking around the house, and it was Tyree Kill who called authorities to go check out on the house because he couldn't get a response. It kind of made Tyree Kill look good. The Chiefs, of course, when they found out the audio that was said, separated ways with Tyree Kill, suspended him from all team activities, from the team facilities. He was just away from Kansas City. And now, more and more comes out, and our guy, Therese Paler, the juice, the people's champ, whatever you want to call Therese, the greatest in the biz, I don't know, has a thing that says sources. She's hopeful for NFL ruling on Tyreek Hill before the start of training camp. Now, I believe the training camp starts around the 26th, 27th of July. Now, we do know that Roger Goodell just announced that all of his employees We'll get the entire week of July or of July 1st to July 5th off. In fact, Adam Schefter tweeted out and there was like a gigantic applause and just like this huge celebratory reaction when he said they'd all be off. So by hearing that, I think it's fair to say that we won't get a decision next week on the suspension of Tyreek Hill. We all agree that something's going to happen. He's not just going to get out of this scot-free. Now, again, we can continue to be skeptical. Maybe he is. Maybe he gets two games. That, to me, is best-case scenario, is two-game suspension uh, for Tyreek Hill. I believe he gets four. And like I remember hearing Carrington and Brandon Kylie talking on the drive, I believe that the best move is, or maybe it was on show and Vern, it was one of, maybe it was both. But the best move that they can do is Tyreek Hill can just say, you know what, I'll take my four games and I'll continue to move forward. Because he sat down with officials for eight hours talking about his situation, talking about what's been going on. And where the NFL is going to move forward. Now, there was a player for Jacksonville last year who had kind of the same route, and he was suspended four games for controversial comments. I honestly believe Tyreek Hill will probably get a four-game suspension. I think he will continue to do the right thing as he's done while he's been suspended. He stayed out of the limelight. He stayed out of public view. Now, granted, I know there's been pictures on Twitter of him and Garrett Dieter working out. There's been pictures of Tyreek Hill running up hills working out. But since he was removed from all team activities, not at minicamp to start the season, but now hopeful that they'll get him back, and now on top of that, they're talking about maybe some contract extensions 
with Tyreek Hill and what that could partake. And I found it interesting this morning. When you think of Tyreek Hill and you think of what's going on with this whole situation and could he make more money? And when I started thinking about why he could get suspended and why things could turn out into a little bit more slightly his favor than we originally originally thought, you have to look at some things that have happened along the way. Different storylines have been brought about, about to our attention. Different evidence has been brought up as well. The phone call he made to check in on his kids while he was away from the family. The way that he handled this where he just stayed away, he was removed, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And this whole situation kind of reminds me of a kid and why, and again, to go back, and why people are interested in why he would get suspended over something that he said. And it kind of reminds me of an analogy that I can bring up. is like if you go to college and you're put on academic probation prior to going into college because your grades in high school weren't really that great. They didn't meet the standard. But, of course, like every college, they want the money, they want the students, so they'll let you come in under a certain circumstance of academic probation. I'm as guilty as charged on that one. I'm there with you. I was there, too. My high school grades weren't that great. I got into UCM, the lovely university in Warrensburg. Go Mules. Jason Ketz as well. Shout out to Dirty Berg. That's right. Pine Street, the whole kit and caboodle. And they told me. They said, hey, here's the deal. No matter what, you've got to get your cumulative GPA over 2.0 in order to get off academic probation. It didn't matter if I had a 3.0 my first semester and my community GPA was still under 2.5, I think it was, to get off academic probation. Sounds about right. And so I agreed to that. And then I had a semester that wasn't that hot. And they were like, your GPA has fallen under the, under the line of what it needs to be. You're already on probation. You're going to be suspended. And I was suspended from taking any summer courses. I couldn't take any academic courses at the university. I had to find them elsewhere to get the, the, the GPA back up. It wasn't anything I did at UCM that got me on that probation. It's what I did prior to that. The same thing with Tyreek Hill. It happened in college at Oklahoma State. They got him kicked off that team. So going into the NFL, they know there's a hot and heavy past, and they've got to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So, of course, they've got to let you know, hey, man, you're on a very narrow path, and if anything comes into flaunt with it, we're going to have to take action. That's where this comes into play. That's the analogy that I think most best describes what's going on. He said the line, you should fear me too, blank. The NFL doesn't take kindly into that. They haven't before, and they won't moving forward. They then look at his past, and they say, okay, man, you knew this going in. You're going to have to walk a tightrope. So far, you kind of had. You'd stayed out of trouble. But then after year three, things kind of got different. This audio leaked out. This happened. We're going to have to do something. So to me personally, as we wrap this segment up, for me personally, we're going to keep doing this was what I said. Tyreek Hill is going to be at camp, I believe, with the suspension. No, I don't think it's going to come down next week. Now, they're moving pretty quick, but like we said, Roger Goodell announced that the entire employee situation will be off for the week of July. That's fair. But for me, I think he gets four games. 
I think he continues to try to be the best possible example he can be when it comes to this type of things. And I think he might get a four-game suspension. I'm skeptical of what he gets. It's anywhere from two to four games. I think six is too much. I think eight is overmodulated. But I think four games, and I don't think Tyree Kill challenges it. I don't think he appeals it. I think he takes the four games. I think he takes it and learns from it. And then, like what Brandon Kylie was talking about on his show on the leadoff at 1030, then I think you start seeing different contract type of talks come about when it comes to Tyree Kill and what could possibly be coming in the future for him and this team. I think a franchise tag is there, but we're just going to keep doing this until we finally get his suspension name numbered down, what he gets, and what moves forward. Cats, I don't know if you were watching the other night, but we all saw that foul ball that Jorge Soler hit. Will we see more of that July 8th? I don't think so, but some of us hope so. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. So this is wild. Uh, They're playing baseball over in England, so across the pond. And (laughs) it's the top of the first. And it's the Yankees versus the Red Sox because what other, you know, what other matchup do you want in baseball when it comes to rivalries and trying to sell your uh, product across the pond? Uh, Yankees are up 6-0. They have one out in the top of the first, and they've already batted around. Um, Just so you know how they've got all these runs, Aaron Hicks homered, Encarnacion doubled, Didi Gregorius doubled, Luke Voigt doubled, um, scoring all the people that were on the bases apparently already. So, um, yeah, uh, the Yankees are still good, still powerful. The Bronx Bombers are now, uh, well, they're the England Bombers. Haven't they already, like, set the record for most home runs at this point in the season already? Like That or the Twins. All time. I, I think it was the Twins, but the twins Bronx Bombers are pretty – They've got to be pretty damn close, especially with the short porches in both corners of Yankee Stadium. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty crazy right now that it's 6 nothing. I mean, literally, like, I mean, I'm just telling you right now, the uh, starting pitcher for Boston's already been pulled. Uh, it was Rick Porcello, uh, normally very good. And, uh, yeah, he's not anymore because uh, it's 6-0 to take a little soccer line from them as the Yankees have two outs, man on second, and they're back to the top of their order. Um, yeah. Well, good for them. The Yankees are basically the Manchester United of American sports over here when it comes to baseball, and they're showing their fans exactly why. And it's crazy. It's a great view. It's on Fox, actually, uh, to see what they've done with that stadium and to make it a baseball stadium. It's really good. Again, Jason Katz, not Nick Price today on Out of Bounds. Dusty Ligon's your host. Um, before we went to break, I had referenced basically a, a uh, what do you want to call that, a foul ball that was hit the other night, and Hudler's reaction was great. Solar hit that one a long way. He hit it out of the ballpark. I know. That over was everything. Wow. Look at look at how far this ball goes. It hits up on top of the catwalk up there. It's out of the stadium and into the next stadium next door. And he's not lying there. Like I watched that game because I was producing that game with Cody Tapp, but you'll hear it at two o'clock here on Six Ten Sports Radio is the Kansas City Royals will try to calm down uh what is a loud offensive uh Loud offensive unit over there that's very, very young. Guriel, Vlad Jr., Biggio Jr. They've also got Dante Pachette's son in their minor league system who's a top, like, 10 MLB pipeline guy when it comes to prospects uh, for the Blue Jays. So they're doing well. And today is Brad Keller – I'm sorry, is uh, Homer Bailey uh, versus their ace, Stroman. 
So it should be a pretty good battle there. Hopefully for Cody Tappett, moves real quick. First Not pitch. Good. Yeah. Both guys are basically pitching to be acquired at the trade deadline, so both guys should be on their A game. Homer Bailey is, I think, I think he has officially won his last three starts, going back to when the Royals play the Tigers in Omaha. Homer Bailey's been pretty good as of late. But when it comes to that, that audio of Solaire. Oh, whoa, Fizz. Wait for Fizz. I know. He hit it out of the ballpark. I know. Like, who is Fizz there to just shoot down Hudler like that? And I get it. Some people don't always like Rex Hudler. I love Rex Hudler. I think Hudler's hilarious. I think he's good for this team because this team can be 25 games under 500 or 25 games over 500, and Hudler's still the same cool cat. Now, the one thing that's been talked about when it comes to Jorge Soler isn't obviously foul balls. It's clearly, can we get this guy in the home run derby? And I've said before, I will go to Royals games when they are home to help cover them, to help get audio in that, in that locker room pre- and post-game uh, for one Cody B. Tap on Twitter. And I will get there an hour and a half early just to watch Jorge Soler hit batting practice. It's insane. Like, if I could paint you a picture of where he puts a lot of his baseballs, if you know where Joel Goldberg does his pregame show with Fox Sports Kansas City, like, if you're sitting across from that, if you're in the third base dugout, or you're above the first, I'm sorry, the first base dugout, the Royals dugout, and you're looking straight to left field, Jorge Soler is about four or five rows short of putting it on their desk as of where they would do pregame. Like where the uh, the Watson's hot tub used to be. Or Correct. The, or the, good, the, good the, the Ram yeah. truck. That's right. Man, I miss the Watson's commercials. And to give you some, I guess, some insight of where it goes, I saw Mike Trout in batting practice one time hit the Hall of Fame building. There's a giant commerce bank symbol, and he hit it right in the middle of that symbol, hit it right there. So it's mesmerizing. And Jorge Soler is putting them further than that. You've seen some balls that Jorge Soler has hit this year where you go, oh, my God. And you watch that foul ball hit the catwalk in Cleveland, which, oh, by the way, guess where the All-Star game is this year? It's in Cleveland, Ohio. And a lot of people have said, get Jorge Soler into the All-Star game for the Home Run Derby. That's where this whole mess becomes a problem. Because baseball is struggling. I don't think I have to tell you that enough. It's not marketable enough for its stars. It is down in attendance. Games are long. They're like three and a half hours long. It's a long season. Generations tend to change their like of a sport every four to five years. The NBA is starting to trend up a lot higher. The NFL is just, I don't know when that's going to come down from a tie horse. And baseball is just kind of blah. And people ask, get Jorge Soler in the home run derby. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I would love to see that. Jorge Soler is not a star outside of this area. In fact, I don't even think he's a star in Kansas City. I think he's just known for hitting a lot of home runs this year because he's putting together his career year. He's already surpassed his home run total in his career of 12 by a long shot. He's on pace to break Mike Moustakert's record of 38 home runs in Kansas City, which was set for so long by Balboni at 36. 
And Soler is doing it in dramatic fashion. He's hitting moonshots. He's hitting lasers that go 440, 50 feet. He's hitting 110 miles per hour off the bat. He's not cheated when it comes to his swing, and it's more controlled this year. And then you see foul balls that he hits like that, and then it makes you wonder, wait a minute, not a lot of guys that are big-time power hitters perform in the home run derby. And it's almost turning into what the NBA dunk competition is in the NBA. Now, the NBA has made Zach Levine a star. Now, he's good. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people knew who Zach Levine was inside this demographic before he started jumping out of the gyms. Is it fair to say that the dunk competition really escalated Michael Jordan's career? A lot of those poses are from when Michael Jordan was doing dunks. Jordan was going to be great no matter what. And everybody wants LeBron to do the dunk competition, but they just won't do it. And that brought me from an article from Sports Illustrated when it involved Mike Trout. Like I said before, I've gone to games early when the Angels are here just to watch Trout hit batting practice. It's something out of this world because it almost seems like it's a flick of his wrist. And like I said, he hit that Commerce Bank sign on the Hall of Fame building on a straight line. He also hit a home run two years ago at Coffin Stadium that they measured. They said it wasn't the furthest home run, but it sure the hell looked like it in Coffin Stadium. And despite being one of the game's top sluggers, Los Angeles Angels outfielder Mike Trout again won't be in this year's home run derby during the All-Star break in Cleveland. That doesn't mean that Major League Baseball won't stop asking, quote, Trout said, every year, every year they ask me. And yet he won't do it. I think the reason why people don't always do it is because of a few reasons. History seems to always be repetitive. History always seems to come out and show itself every single year in the future because you look at guys that did it last year. Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, Javier Baez, Alex Bregman, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hotkins, Jesus Aguilar, Bryce Harper. Out of all those names, all we were interested in was Bryce Harper. Now, Max Muncy's kind of nice this year because he put one in the pond and told Madison Bumgarner if he's got a problem with it, he can go out in the ocean and retrieve it. That's cool. But Bryce Harper last year, tons of sex. Headband, jersey was buttoned down low, the taco meat was showing. Bryce Harper won it. The only reason Bryce Harper did it was kind of like a favor to Washington. It was his last year there. We all knew he was going somewhere else. We didn't know if he was going to be at Wrigley Field or if he was going to go play in Philadelphia. Clearly, it's in Philadelphia. Sorry, Cats. But Bryce Harper last year, the way he performed in that home run derby, got me going. Got that little baseball fan in me going up again. Because I remember back in the day when these power hitters would do it. Like Griffey at Candom Yards when he hit the building across the street. When McGuire was in Boston. When Sosa was in, was in, Houston, or it was in Boston as well. When Sosa was in Houston. Now, granted, these guys were juiced out of their minds. But, boy, that was fun. Josh Hamilton in New York. And now these guys don't do it because it takes fatigue. It's tiresome on their body. And do you remember, Ketz, when the Royals hosted the All-Star game and they had home run derby here and Mark Trumbo hit a ball on top of the the Hall of Fame building? Yeah, I remember that. Everybody in that stadium went, oh. And it was crazy. Because you don't see baseballs fly like that. Everybody always remembers Cano, though. Right, because he didn't bring Billy Butler. 
Well, and that and the fact that you didn't get a single. Yeah, you did get a single homer. And it is what it is. But the thing about it is Trumbo is also quoted in an article that I read. He says, I was fatigued for a few weeks after. And Chris Davis, who can't hit anything right now, says, you want the power guys. Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, guys like that, said Chris Davis, who competed in 2015. I like to see guys hit balls 875 feet. It's cool, man, but they just don't want to do it. Judge declined to defend his title. There's no need to do it, he told the New York Post last month. In a 60 games after he won the Derby in Miami, Judge hit 195 with a 797 OPS. His statistics went down. His fatigue went up. His tiresome went down. And where do they blame it? Because they're superstitious freaks. They blame it on the home run derby because they change their swing. They get fatigued. And, oh, by the way, they play a 162-game schedule in the grunt of summer, and they just want a break. And it's one of those, I like it, but I'd rather see somebody else do it. And that's where we're at with home run derby. I'd love to see Jorge Soler do it. I think he might because he fits those names like Alex Bregman and those guys that aren't big yet. Now, Bregman is the leading all-star getter at third base this year. But he wasn't last, or he wasn't a big, big name last year. And Jorge Soler could fit that mold of why he could fit in, but I don't think he'll ever do it again once he figures out how gruesome, tiresome, and painful it can be on the body, as Mark Trumbo once said. I was hurting for four to five weeks afterwards. Coming up, we got to finish this first hour. That's okay. We got one more hour after that. But coming up, former Chiefs players aren't biased, they're just honest. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. That's right. Coming back in on Out of Bounds, Dusty Likens, Jason Katz, because Nick Price is out this week. Gone. Um, yeah, gone. Not uh, fired, though, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Definitely not fired. So, for those of you asking, no possible way do you have a follow-up of the Yankees-Red Sox game that's being played at Wembley Stadium in England. Oh, we do. Now it's Boston's turn. Wait, they're playing at Wembley? I think that's where it's at. Damn. New Wembley? Isn't that where it's at? I don't know. Check it out, producer. Let's see where they're at. Stand I by. can find out before you, I bet. On the air. Nope. Uh, let's see. Cats? I've got the game day up. Okay. And what's it say for where the stadium's at? Uh, okay. Field. Okay. London Stadium. London Stadium. Wherever that is. Well, the over-under in this game was 11.5. It's 6-1, to one, and Boston has zero outs in the bottom of the first, and the bases are loaded. Take the over. Uh, if you could. Bit attendees up. He's the fifth batter in the order for Boston, so depending on what he does, uh, this game's going to go on for about seven more hours. I Rick think it's Persona funny. Got, damn. Yeah. I think it's funny when you mention Home Run Derby and, you know, a million dollars to participate. I think some players say, I might do it. I have a theory, Ketz, on how to make Home Run Derby a lot more interesting. Yeah? Take everybody off the field, all those kids and people that teenagers that shag balls in the outfield. Make sure you have nets all the way down the foul, from foul pole to foul pole. Scoot the spectators that are on the field a little bit back. Take the pitcher off the mound and put a machine there and give the batter a metal bat. That's a hot take. How? Because they use wood bats, Dusty. But it's home run derby. They don't swing 100 miles per hour every single time when they're at the plate. But if they did home run derby with metal bats and no one was in the way to get hurt, you could have a lot of fun with that. 
If they did metal bats, that'd be like the 600-foot home runs. That'd be like the cheat code from Backyard Baseball where you get the titanium bat or whatever, the, the big power-up. You didn't need a cheat code in Backyard Baseball. All you needed was Pablo uh, Pablo Sanchez. You know what I did with my Backyard Baseball teams, though? Or any backyard, I would always play with pros. I would never use. I would never use. You uh, missed out on Pablo Sanchez. Protein House, even the purpose, text line 69306. Who's the best baseball player when it comes to backyard baseball? Guaranteed, you cats. The number again, 69306. Pablo Sanchez. Could do anything. Could pitch, could hit for power, everything. But anyway. Nomar was pretty good overall, too. He could pitch, and he was a really good fielder, really good speed. Nomar? Yeah, Nomar. So, earlier this week, I was watching television, and I figured, well, if this segment is on TV, it's definitely on Twitter. And Brandon Flowers went through the entire Chiefs schedule in about two minutes. Had this to say about their upcoming season. Week one, yeah. Nick Foles in town, Jacksonville ready to go. Yeah. Ah, still an L. They're L. not going to be hitting on all cylinders. For Oakland Raiders, that'll be a W for Kansas City okay. also. Kansas City, a well or machine. Yeah, they 2-0. All right. They're a well or machine, and the Raiders going to take a couple of games to get going out there. Right. Baltimore, Ooh, I think tough. that's going to be an L for Kansas City. Oh. Baltimore wants some payback from last year. I feel like Kansas City kept them out of the playoffs, so Baltimore going to come in ready to play that week. We're going down to Detroit. Detroit. I think that's a win. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think Mahomes will get it done. Okay. That's what he's built Three for. 3-1. and 3-1. Three and one. Then we go to Indy. Okay, I'm watching. It's a tough game, but I think it's a bad matchup for Indy. They're a zone team, okay. and Andy Reid loves zone coverage. You know, so I think that's a win for Kansas City week right. five, week six. Here we go, Houston. We got Deshaun Watson. We got Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a great game. Young quarterback. Right. Chiefs will get that win. Though. Okay. They play well. On five and one. You yeah, got them rolling. Yeah, yeah. So now we're getting to Denver. I give them a win against Denver. They just oh. a better team. Green Bay is going to be a shootout. I got Aaron Rodgers winning that shootout. Oh, okay. We get into Minnesota. Minnesota will be a win for Kansas City. I like them against Minnesota. Got Kansas City right here. Right. Tennessee Titans, they just a better team than Kansas, uh, Tennessee right now. I'm going win here. Now mm. it's a showdown in Mexico. All right. Uh, Conflict of interest right oh, here. Yeah, you yeah. had some time. <laughs> had some time with the Chargers. I know. And that's why I like the Chargers to win Ooh, this in Mexico right here. In Mexico. We're going week 13. I still like them over Oakland, man. After the bye week. After the bye week. No they got time to prepare, so I got them in a win right here. Sweeping the Raiders. New right. England, it's December. it's December. New England is tough in December, so I got them in taking Fox that World. L right okay. here. Uh, week 15, this one they're fighting for a playoff spot, possibly a bye. So I'm going with a win right here Ooh. against Denver. Chicago. Chicago is going to be fighting to win a division right here in week 16. Okay. It's going to be at Chicago. It's going to be cold, it's so definitely be I'm going to give them an L right here. All right. Week 17, this might be for the division win at home. Got to go, Kansas Ooh. City. So there you go. I mean, I disagree with a lot of it. I don't understand how you could have us losing to, how about that guy on TV right now just says cocktails. He's walking up and down an aisle just says cocktails. Um, I don't see him losing to Baltimore. Now, if you go through his record, if you watch the segment or if you, if you counted the whole time, he has the Chiefs going 11-5. and five which is a very fair record. I believe that was their record last year, was it not? 11-5, 12-4. But when it comes to the Chiefs this year, there's really only three games that scare me when it comes to the Chiefs' schedule this year. And again, I don't think Brandon Flowers is biased. I don't think that he's being a homer, like the guy calls him in that audio. I think that's a fair assumption. 
the three games that should make you nervous this year on the Chiefs' schedule is at Chicago, at New England, and then you have a coin flip of two games. Either the game at Stadio Azteca or, which is against San Diego and Mexico, or against Los Angeles and Mexico, where altitude's extremely high, where Patrick Mahomes says he might be able to throw the ball 100 yards. I hope he tries. Um, obviously in pregame. But when it comes to the three games that I'm nervous about, at New England, at Chicago, and then Green Bay here. I believe that Green Bay game is a Sunday night game. I believe that Chicago game is a Sunday night game. And I believe that New England game might be a Thursday night game. Either way, they can all get flexed at some point. Now, that Packers game isn't going to get flexed. I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive that's either a Monday night or a Sunday night game. But when you look at the Chiefs this year and you ask yourself why people consider them to be a Super Bowl favorite, it's beyond Patrick Mahomes, right? Chiefs Thursday night games against Denver in yeah. uh, October. Right. But Which then, yeah, Packers been. Packers are on Sunday. Sunday night at 720. New England right now is a 325 Sunday start. That'll get flexed. That'll get flexed depending on what the season looks like. And then Chiefs-Bears is a Sunday night game at 720. Right. And the Chargers game in, the, in Mexico is a Monday nighter. Right. So Bears-Chiefs Sunday night. The only reason I'm nervous – a lot about that Chargers or that Chiefs Bears game is it's December twenty second at seven twenty. That's going to be a cold son of a gun, Cats. Windy City, baby. That's right, right on the shore. That's right. And then that that Chiefs Packers game is kind of the not Brady and Mahomes, but it's like the Aaron Rodgers Mahomes. It's the first time we're going to see those two in action where it means something, and it's Rodgers coming to Arrowhead, kind of with the chip on his shoulder, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new kind of beginning for Aaron Rodgers. And then, of course, New England's also in December when Back, it's cold. Backtracking, though, again to that, that Packers game real quick, I think that is a that is a standout game on the schedule for this defense. Like, right. Spags in his first year, like, that is a game where you can either show the world that you can shut down a top quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, or you can't. That's, like, as soon as the schedule was released, that was a game I circled, and I was like, damn, that's the game that Spags in this defense has to show out. Exactly. I mean, that's where, like you're going to say, you're going to have some uh, explanation marks when it comes to your teams. Jaguar, so your first four weeks, let's say Tyree Kill gets a suspended first four games of the season. He's missing at Jacksonville, at Oakland, here against the Ravens, there against the Lions. Then he comes back, you get the Colts at home, you get the Texans at home, you get at Broncos, and then you get Packers here. So, to me... I see the Chiefs losing a total of three games this next year. As of right now, possibly two. When you're a Super Bowl favorite, you're a favorite to repeat for the AFC West title. You have a division that's not really that strong. You have the Chargers, obviously, which is your biggest rival this year and last year. You should take care of Denver. You should take care of Oakland because Oakland, we don't know anything about yet until we see hard knocks on HBO. But I like, I like 14-2. and two. 13-3 and three this year for your Kansas City Chiefs, even though Brandon Flowers thinks they're 11-5 and five because he thinks they might lose to the Baltimore Ravens in a revenge game. Not an arrowhead, baby. We got to get to a break, and the text line agrees. It's either Pete Wheeler or Pablo Sanchez, or as Kramer just texted me who did the production work for Brandon Kiley's leadoff, Ernie Steele.
Again, I don't know if that's a backyard baseball player or a porn star, but coming up, we're only 15 minutes from our interview with uh, Patrick Brennan. But coming up, Brady Singer looks really good. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.